What's up, After Buzzers? We're back here for episode seven of Cults and Extreme Beliefs. We're going to be breaking down FLDS, their different their lifestyle. Uh, Jeff Warren. We're also being talking about the sit down between these two communities and so so much more. Please stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're here, episode seven. I'm your host, Juliette Biver, and I have my lovely panel. How's everybody doing? Uh, hey, I'll start first. Hey everybody, I'm Al Gregg, Al G. Glad to be here with the crew. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Mina, back again after a long break. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Gates, back after one week off. I hey. missed you guys. Yeah, we 100% we missed you, too. Uh, last week was a quite an episode, um, and if you guys just tuning in now have not seen that, we really encourage you to go back and check that out, because we learned a lot. Um, very intense. I learned a lot here tonight, too, as yeah. well. Uh, we're going to be breaking this all down and so much more. We're going to uh, talk about the general rules. We're going to talk about the believers, the non-believers, and if... If Thanksgiving uh, dinner is even a possibility next winter, <laughs> who yeah. knows? Um, and we also have some really cool segments toward the end of the show, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. But let's get into some general thoughts, everyone. So give me your general thoughts of this episode in terms of what we've seen uh, this far. And then also, if you had any prior knowledge to this cult, uh, let the fans know. I'll go out on a you limb. Go. <laughs> I'll go out on a limb uh, just in the fact that I think everyone agrees that they see, you know, uh, Warren Jeffs, you know, possibly even as a pedophile and possibly molesting his own children. But the part about where they move in and take the land, I'm not quite sure if that's the best way to handle it. Because a lot of people being left destitute. And we can unpack that later. Mina, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was, like, just thinking, like, yeah, honestly, it was, like, really unfair what happened. And we kind of see a little bit of that from how Norma's, like, justifying, like, everything that's happened and how can you reconcile with people who left the church who kind of caused this to happen by, you know, exposing Warren. I don't know. It's just, the did, whole thing was kind of crazy to me. Did you have any prior knowledge of this uh, cult prior to the show? I've heard of, like, the Church of Latter-day Saints. I've never heard of, like, the F before the LDS. So this is, like, the first time hearing of this specific offshoot. Oh, very cool. What about you, Taylor? Yeah, I thought this was really interesting. They got a lot of different perspectives. I thought this was kind of a change of what we've been seeing with like, I know uh, with one of them we had really emphasized just the cult leader, and the other times we've emphasized sort of the people who have left the church, and here we got a pretty balanced perspective. I actually did have prior knowledge. Um, I watched this Lifetime movie called Outlaw Prophet Warren Jeffs. It's a Lifetime movie. It's amazing, but also, like, a little bit terrible. <laughs> it has... Um, Tony Goldwyn, who's Fitz in Scandal, Molly Parker, who's been in House of Cards, in Lost in Space, and Joey King, who's in The Kissing Booth, which is also fun and awful. Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting movie, and I would definitely check it out if you're interested in this cult, because it shows a lot of different other perspectives and dives deeper into Warren Jeffs himself. Oh, very cool. Well, we'll make sure to uh, let you guys know in the comments section uh, what that uh, where you can find all that. Yeah, um, yeah. I hadn't really heard of this cult prior to this. We know a little bit about Mormonism. Uh, the only thing I kind of knew, or at least it made me think of Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that show? Uh, it's a Netflix show for those of you who don't know, who follow Kimmy Schmidt, who was in a cult that was very similar to this one. You know, she had the same outfits. They they kind of sat tired of uh, Warren Jeffs. Um, and yeah, that was just kind of 
I guess an upbeat comedy, uh, taking something that's rather negative and turning it into a positive. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I really ch- <laughs> recommend you check that out. And we also have an after show for that, so you'll be covered on all ends. <laughs> Let's break down a little bit more about what are their beliefs, how, are, and more so like what's their lifestyle? Because on top of having beliefs, it was a real lifestyle. Uh, were you surprised by any of the customs that we, you saw, Al? Um, the only thing that, that that particularly surprised me, and I felt you know, just a twinge and offended by personally, you know, was like marrying uh, uh, full adult males to underage women and or, or girls. But we'll get into that. And no, shout out, though, to here's the thing. We've got to make the exception. Norma, sh- sh- as far as everybody being forced in place to marry uh, a guy or the young women, Norma was one of the few people who kind of made the decision on her own as an adult. She was 20. Yeah. And she's actually kind of like had to crush on this preach or this teacher and she went and said I'd like to marry him so I actually don't have a problem with that because she was an adult she made an informed decision at 20 years old but it's the young kids you know we're we're, uh, concerned about oh one other thing about the customs um I don't have a problem with the customs I mean I like the idea of people living communally one person one group you know will take care of the food another group will We'll sew and make the clothes and people living off the grid. I'm all, as far as getting back to nature and all that, there's nothing wrong with that. And simplicity, just that in and of itself, it just gets kind of hairy. Then we talk about like the other things that were going on that are against the law. Yeah, very true. And there's there's a reason for those things to be against the law. But it one thing that surprised me was as you're mentioning just how many people would live in one house. Mina, can you imagine living in a house with that with over a hundred people? Yeah, it's called a sorority. So <laughs> it happens in the modern day. But um yeah, no, that's kind of crazy. Like I it just there's something about it that just feels like I don't know, like, if you ever saw the movie The Village with, directed by M. Night Shyamalan or just, like, the concept of Amish people kind of removing themselves from modern-day society and going back into, like, this older uh, older version of history, which, honestly, there's nothing wrong with. Not at all. Um, like, I'm not going to sit here as a millennial judging people for <laughs> removing themselves from technology. Like, I could never do that. But if that's what you're born into, how would you know anything else? You know, don't know anything It's else. not like people from the 1800s were like, oh, man, I wish I had, like, some sort of device where I could communicate with people and go on Facebook and do all these things. Like, no, like, it's just, for us, like, it's so hard to imagine living like this, but being right. born into it, like... Well, being born into it also, and as you're saying, that they don't know anything else, and that was yeah. a tool that was really used to manipulate them. And, Taylor, maybe you can speak a little bit more about this, because we've seen this throughout the show, is that they use... They kind of just make sure that people don't have anything and they do create the separation between the, the real world and the rest. Yeah, that was definitely a thing here. I thought it was interesting that they don't recruit is kind of what they said mm-hmm. because a lot of the other cults we've talked about have really like embraced social media and used flyers to try to get more members. And here it's pretty much you're you born you're born into it and then you die with it and it's sort of just a thing that's passed on generation generationally sort of within your own family. So I thought that was an interesting sort of switch from what we've been seeing. I also feel like I don't know, and of course the movie I watched could have definitely dramatized things, um, and so it might not be 100% accurate, but I feel like Warren Jeffs himself really is kind of one of the first people to start using this, like, ice, ice, oh my gosh, isolation, mm-hmm. um, because beforehand they had TVs and stuff, 
and they didn't really have the internet on their computers, but they still had this technology. And so when he came into power, they even call it, I think, the Jeffs regime at mm-hmm. one point. He is kind of the person who switched it and made it really, really extreme, more so than it already was. Yeah, b- before that, it wasn't as oppressive until mm-hmm. he came in. And, and that's, I mean, and not to say that there's there might be problems with people uh, also, you know, living on the compound and, and the certain rules that we disagree with as a as a traditional society but yeah as far as like if they want you should be able to have a tv if you want it you should be able to look at the internet if you want it but see that's that slippery slope because as somebody used to go to church I'm like be careful too much violence on tv too much sex be careful on the internet and that's real but at the same time people should be allowed to control their own lives let the parents handle that but in my opinion yeah mm-hmm. yeah i agree i agree this was as you're saying taylor i think that that was something that shocked me the most was the fact that they didn't recruit so at least they're entitled to their beliefs and there's i felt like the big theme that came out was this idea of free will and freedom and i pose a question to you guys do you feel that norma and people within the community are free such a a deep layered question I don't know I feel like they think that they are but they've just it's just the brainwashing thing you know we keep going back to that like even the fact that he's in prison now and they can't you know really communicate with him until they go to the prison which is the thing that they do sometimes it's like he's still controlling them and they even said when stuff like this happens they you know interpret this as persecution and their faith gets stronger and stronger so it's like nothing that happens is going to get them out of this public shaming almost makes them band together more yeah so that, which is the problem with, with that right it's crazy like how there are outliers that decide for themselves like i'm gonna leave at this age versus people who just think that no this is like their reality and this is the right way it's the way of god um it's it's interesting to me because when i think about the people who leave the church it's usually because they already felt like outliers to begin with so in a way it might be easier for them to make that leap. like poor lamont just because he was a bad kid you know Mm -hmm. and maybe yelled out in class and it's like the leader like wouldn't even look at him and he's like yo they're never gonna give my family favor they're never gonna let me get married he was like doomed to be an outcast just because he was like a you know a quirky, rambunctious kid yeah yeah a little rebel and uh, he played a great role in this episode just to give us this whole perspective of what it means to be an ex-member and as we've seen in other episodes once you le- and once you leave most of these communities you are exiled you're you're shunned and here they call them uh the apostates uh, and they do not know believers do not want to be associated with them However, we um, the ex-members still want to be part of a community, which I thought was very interesting because I I always assumed that they would just have their freedom per se and want to leave and never turn back. Are you guys surprised by the fact that they want to be back in the, within this community? A little bit, but I mean, Lamont said he wants to be able to know his sisters his family, and his yeah. cousins, and I'm sure he doesn't want to see them suffering, because at the end of the day, they're still his family. He still grew up around them, so mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't want to see them in this state of being evicted, not having the resources they need. Um, so it was a little bit surprising, because this you know, did bring him a lot of pain, but at the same time, I think that 
you know, the love of family kind of conquers and that. And to take it one step further, what I was uh, touching on earlier about, there's nothing wrong with wanting to live in a community and be close to a certain group of people and your family and friends and people of the same values you do. You know, that's fine. And here's where I'm torn with the whole Norma thing. We were talking about that earlier. Um, Norma, I like how she was able to kind of choose her own destiny. She has a job outside of this. But here's the thing. I wonder if she has kids, she probably does, that hasn't come up, but if she has children and daughters, is she allowing them to be uh, married to older men when they are underage? And that's when she has to have accountability. That's the only, that's where I draw the line. I agree. Yeah, she said she doesn't, like, I know it was a joke and it wasn't meant to be taken literally, but she said, I don't care if they get married when they're two, but the proper age is 18, and I was kind of like, wow, like, that's such an extreme statement to say that age doesn't matter because... Um, age is a huge part of consent. Like, when can you, you know, develop maturely enough to be able to consent to something? I mean, we, we make this arbitrary line of 18. I mean, obviously, some people mature faster, some people later, but like in our day and age, the number is 18. So it's just crazy to me that she would think it's okay for like a 14 year yeah. old or a 12 year old to be married to someone. I agree too, but as you're saying, the way that she said that statement was kind of, it could be shifted in each and every way direction because she, when she, she was saying 18 is when you're able to take on the responsibility. And mm-hmm. with this whole community, they do have a certain lifestyle, they are polygamous, and it's women have this responsibility to cater to men. And I feel like that's what she was trying to portray is that that's when they're ready. However, we, as we come to find out, there's a lot of, you know, there's underage w- girls getting married, therefore they're uh, having underage sex, and most of them are being abused. And we hear a little bit more about this with actually um, Rachel Jeff's, uh, uh, Jeff's uh, daughter, which I was so surprised that his own daughter um, came out and shared all of this. Uh, had you, we saw some snippets in the media. Had you ever heard of her or seen her out uh, in the press rounds? No, I hadn't. I had, I had actually uh, heard of the daughter accusing him of, um, okay. you know, of molestation, which just kind of highlights the hypocritical nature of him. I'm sure his demeanor is passive and loving, but this guy, I mean, he got off on, you know, sleeping with underage women. What was his bride, like 12 or 14? Mm-hmm. And then like, so to me, it's it's almost not a shocker that he would molest his own children. It's dead wrong and and, and it's foul, but that's why if, if people were saying his heart's in the right place, okay, if his heart was in the right place, you wouldn't be molesting your own daughter. That just makes shows me you're a sickle already. And also, if his heart was in the right place, he wouldn't have this quote from his journal entry, if the world knew what I was doing, they would hang me from the highest tree. Why would you do that if you didn't have a guilty conscience? He knows he's it just wrong. doesn't make sense to me. Well, they were explaining, I feel like, in this episode that it was a way to manipulate because what's being told to young children time and time again and to the whole community is that um, they are being tested. And this is God just testing their faith and in troubling times. It is easier to walk away and step away from the religion, but it's not the right thing to do and you need your faith. So it seemed in a way as if it was like just a 360 of Warren Jeff just wanting to have full control. And Taylor, can you speak a little bit more about um, Jeff, uh, his crimes and kind of do you have any updates on his life now? In yeah, well, um, I feel like he's at the end of the day just 
pretty much a narcissist. He was actually um, one of the FBI's like 10 most wanted people at one time, and he was kind of on the run, staying at these different sort of, I don't know, like satellite, mm-hmm. you know, followers, houses in different states and whatever. And he did. He kept these really, really intense like journals and wrote everything down. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, just the fact that he could get away with it and could have all these people following him no matter what he did gave him like a power trip. Right. And this power trip has really created some kind of just um, division between these two communities. We spoke a little bit about Norma and her faith and uh, Laurent and his faith. And I wanted to discuss a little bit more of if you guys, do you think it is ever possible for these two communities to get together and hold hands? And did this make you understand both sides and the way that that this the storytelling? Were you able to be empathetic towards both sides? I loved Christine, who was like the go-between and who started that charity where she's like, where she's able to help them and give back, but not judge them. Because the minute you start judging them, then it's it's going to drive a wedge in them because these people right or wrong they've had these beliefs and they believe God's told them so I think that was the best tack and that enabled uh, and also enabled her to uh, probably appeal to even people like Norma who otherwise were like I'm not talking to this person but the fact that she came to give instead of to judge and with the fact that she was able to sit down Norma was able to sit down with uh, Lamont and some other apostates. That, I think that is the, the thing that needs to happen. Let's talk, and let's not even necessarily get into judging each other, but let's just break bread and hopefully have a mixer. Well, they'll be having Christmas dinner, probably not this year, but maybe in a couple of years. It's yeah. a start. You know, to answer your question, like, yeah, you know, I think that, I think that it is possible for them to kind of bridge that gap. Um, I think that can only happen when a new leader comes in and revises the interpretation of the the biblical text of, um, well, not necessarily the Bible, but the text that says um, you can't talk to the apostates to kind of like revise it in a way like, oh, well, under certain circumstances you can if it's for the greater good of the community, blah, blah, blah. Like there needs to be a leader that kind of like instills that for everyone to be able to follow and be like, okay, yeah, we're on board with this. I kind of feel like if no one enforces that and it's not from a higher power, it's not from... Warren mm-hmm. or from whoever replaces him, then it's not going to be a thing right. that happens. They're in need of a new prophet. And uh, I'm sorry, I just kind of jump in along those lines just to piggyback. The fact that Warren Jeffers is in jail and he won't uh, tell them, like he communicated a message, hang in there, be of love, be steadfast. The fact that he won't tell them that you can now sign a deal with an apostate mm-hmm. so you don't lose your house, I blame him for that. I, I don't like people losing their houses, but those people won't even sign a deal to maintain their own uh, their own house or their own businesses because they think signing anything with an apostate is like is like the devil, and they believe that. But if he was a good man, he would he would release them from that. Well, he knows that he'll lose his uh, yeah. access to. No, power he, yeah, he wants. That. He's taking himself. Can he's taking the ship down with if him. If he's in jail, can he kind of like release that statement from jail? Even if he does, though. That's the thing. They're like, oh, you're testing us by saying that. Yeah. Like you're That's by true. saying that you're you're just testing if we're still gonna follow you. So even if he does go back on his word, like 
there's no guarantee that they're going to follow it. They're going to view it as a test. Exactly. It seems that the only way for them to move forward is if he maybe installs a new prophet as him being in prison and then there's a new regime that comes along. But that doesn't really seem to be in the cards. He's too egotistical to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he just, he wants to really have control over everything. And as we mentioned in this episode, the fact that now he's in jail and they're being even more oppressed, their uh, their faith is being tested and this is only making them stronger and mm-hmm. more aligned. Um, we talked about, you, you brought up a little bit about Christine. I want to talk about her some more because she really was, she was Switzerland. If mm. we're comparing this to the war, she was definitely Switzerland. Did you, um, do you understand her perspective and do you agree with it or do you feel that she should be putting her foot down and she shouldn't be, she should be a little bit more harsher with her actions? I'm I'm just torn because it's like on on one side these are still people and they still need resources and they still need help and they're probably not going to accept that help if she completely you know demonizes them but on the other hand it's like is she being complicit in letting all of this still happen by not speaking out it's like such a difficult line to walk I feel like it really yeah. is yeah I I felt like her answer was quite the politician's answer when she said you know, I'm aware of the things that Warren has done. Um, I'm aware of the things that he's been accused of. Uh, You know, there's good and bad in Warren. Uh, Warren is good and bad, just like everybody else. And I I feel like it's, in a way, a cop-out to say that, because, yeah, there's good and bad in everyone, but there are certain things that are non-negotiable things that a person does where it's like, you know... Way past, like, the, can't be part of our society, like, like way past the, the line of bad, where it's like, no, like, you're not a conducive member to society, you have to be like kind of shunned from society and put somewhere where you can't do this ever again and you can't hurt someone ever again. So, like, to just simplify it to that extent, where you're like, oh, there's good and bad in everyone, yeah, but not everyone's a pedophile. So, you know, I just I didn't like it, I, I felt like it was very like just kind of like coasting by and you know no, she sugarcoated it yeah it's like you need to like you can still help but, and and i get exactly what you're saying too like if she takes a side then she can't be of service to them they won't accept her help but i feel like she, you know she can't just be like oh like yeah there's good and bad to everyone i, I didn't like that right well regardless she did play a major role in bringing these two communities together we have uh, Lamont who goes to visit her center and you have this moment of him shaking hands with Norma in the meeting which I personally thought was just really so crazy because this whole episode they're building up and building up the fact that this would never happen Mm -hmm. they can't even be in the same room as each other just that'd be crazy to think that and then we have this meeting what were your thoughts when you were seeing this on the line in front of you that was a huge breakthrough and I was even wondering if they were going to shake his hand back. I didn't know if you can't touch an apostate or even young girls can't touch an older man's hands who's an apostate. That was huge. That's what I mean. That, that's, that shows progress. Yeah. Do you think there's more cro- progress to come, Mina? I hope so. I mean, it looks like they're moving in the right direction. I think as long as they're without Warren as the leader, progress will come. I think the minute Warren comes back into the picture, that's where there is going to be a regression. Because even though their society might be better with Warren there. It's going to be kind of like this society that's very much controlled 
Um, it's kind of like the way I see it is kind of like Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Like he was a horrible, ruthless dictator, but there was, in a really strange sense, more peace with him there than when the U.S. invaded Iraq to bring democracy, to bring democracy there and kind of like ruin everything. Um, but it's like, yeah, he's a Saddam's a horrible person, just like Warren has done horrible things. But there is a, a sense of like control and like weirdly prosperity in that regime. Along those lines, um, it's like. You- I'm of of the opinion that, yes, we'd like everybody to have democracy and freedom of choice, but you can't bring uh, democracy at the barrel of a gunpoint because Mm -hmm. that's going to rally the people who are, even if they're under an oppressive regime. So, like, yeah, I'm like, yo, no pedophilia, nothing like that. But, I mean, it, it would be almost like us telling someone who lived you know, in the Middle East, with from a Western perspective, like don't wear your your hijab. You know, it's like, and because you're being oppressed, and women here might feel that, but you know, other women might embrace that. That's mm-hmm. not for us to say culturally. Right, that yeah. is something that came up again, loved with this duality of where, where's right, where's wrong, where's freedom, where's being brainwashed, and then just kind of went back and forth. And I was just, I can, honestly, I don't fully know where I stand. I hundred percent know I stand. At, against any kind of abuse. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of letting these people, I'm gonna pose this question this way to you, Taylor. Do you think, (laughs) I'm scared. um, Do you think that Lamont and ex uh, members are trying to take something that's not theirs? Mm. Again, that's like a very, very difficult question because in a way it's like, oh, he is trying to help them, but they don't want his help. being there is causing them to feel like, oh, he's imposing. You know, this is our sacred land. What if he moves into somebody's house? And they're like, yo, I'm kicked out of my own house and you're moving in there? And on top of it, bringing it back that it's not that he's, you know, moving into one person's home. So many people live there. And as we see Norma go back and visit a home, she was saying that over almost 200 people lived in this house before it got evicted. So many of her children were born there. So many people were born there. And it, it's, it's a huge community. And now having someone they really feel like someone's taking away their livelihood. Yeah. Did part of you kind of feel empathetic to that sentiment? I totally felt empathetic. And this is where I think, I mean, like, okay, people who are libertarian, I'm not a libertarian, I'm a, probably more of a leftist, but I have a libertarian streak in that the government shouldn't go too far. We can enforce the law, can't have people uh, performing underage marriages, but, and if you want to enforce that with a police or a guard or, a guard or whatever, that's fine. But I don't think you have the right to take away people's homes. It's, it's just because, you know, it's, it just makes the problem worse. It creates more rancor. It leaves people out on the street. I felt that's more of a, a destructive thing than productive. I don't know. Maybe perhaps the government's goal is when we take their homes, we'll rehabilitate them, you know, you know into a normal society. But you can't just yeah. take something out without replacing it. They got to find a way, like, we'll give you your house back. You're saying house back, you know, if you, if you, you know, adhere to the letter of the law. You know, in a weird way, I feel like you could draw, like, a parallel to, like, European colonization where, you know, there's always, like, this belief that, oh, we're Western, we are advanced, or we're going to be spreading, like, all this great stuff, like, Christianity and, you know, culture and just, like, all this sort of, like, cultural advancement to a society um, like it's what Europe has done throughout the course of world history so I kind of get like they're they're kind of like upset with someone coming in and trying to make them better when Norma specifically states like 
oh, you know, people make fun of us for, like, feeling bad that we're like this or we're like that, but I'm happy. Like, I'm happy the way I am. So, like, who are we to kind of, like, invade that bubble and disrupt it when this is all they know? Like, it's not up to us to say, hey, you're living a lie. Right. And it seems, is it, can we say that the only thing that's holding them back is just this, this, this notion of these kids getting married at a really young age that's completely inappropriate and illegal? Mm-hmm. If that policy goes away... To me, everything else is legit, yeah. as long as they're not breaking the law. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like that, especially in this episode. Like, I don't know. I mean, we only had, what, like 40-some minutes to go over all this <laughs> stuff. So if there's circumstances beyond that, beyond the child marriages and obviously the sexual abuse, then, yeah, let's, you know, let's, you know, this right. can't happen. But <laughs> as it stands, it's like if they get rid of the, those things... They get rid of Jeff as well. That's here's, the thing. Here's the thing: getting uh, discrediting Jeffers and stripping him. See, the thing is, we here's what we, again, where we know he wasn't sincere because he was hoarding all the money. Mm-hmm. All the money was tied up with him. So if he, if the government is going to take the money, which I'm sure they probably did, that they probably instituted a legal practice where they can uh, take this illegal money from it because he's doing illegal things. They should, the government should put that money back in, and that's what I'm curious about. If you're take, if you're punishing Jeffers and you're punishing, you know, this money he has and you're confiscating it, put it back into them and say you have to obey the law. Right. But if the government's just keeping it, I mean, that's that's just a land grab, you know. If they're not if they're not giving it back, that's the thing is that a lot of their beliefs um, stem within again are so strong, and even if we try to come to a compromise, it seems that there's a lot of things they won't come and compromise with that. that one of them being uh, polygamy. Polygamy is illegal uh, in the States, yet that's something they really deeply believe in. They believe it's, you know, in the Bible, you need to have at least three wives, and taking that away is taking away their identity, may I say. So it's very, very, very tricky. Um, and we mentioned that they were able to, we had a first meeting uh, at Christine's um, area, and then later on, which I was even more shocked, <laughs> was that they actually had them, the two of them sit down with the journalists and have a real conversation of both where both of them st- stood. How did you think that each of these people, both Norma um, and uh, Lamont, stood their grounds? I thought it was so civil. Like, yeah. it really surprised me. And, you know, even though we don't agree with all of Norma's beliefs, and we, I think we feel bad for her because she's clearly, you know, been sort of brainwashed to follow Warren Jeff, she's like, I'm not going to sit down and eat dinner with him, but I, you know, wish that everyone have a good life. I hope they enjoy themselves. And it was crazy. Like, it was so not... Like, vicious. I thought they were going to say, you sh- you're all going to burn in hell. But yeah. that wasn't her perspective. Yeah, I was, I actually was really pleasantly surprised by that as well. I feel like Lamont articulated himself so eloquently. I, I was shocked. I was like, you know, where is all of this coming from? Like, the way that he made all of his statements and said, you know what, like, I, I'm i not trying to, like, be malicious by saying this. I do feel like she's been slightly brainwashed in this way. And, like, just the way he said it, like, in a way where he was so considerate of her feelings. He was diplomatic. He, he did it in a way, it wasn't like, oh, no offense, but this. It was, like, in a way that was so, like, sweet, civil, and, like, you can tell he's really trying to, like, have, like, this back-and-forth dialogue. Like, he's really trying to 
not just make his point and make himself heard, he's really trying to listen and understand her point of view as well. And yeah. I think that's so important in having a conversation with people who have a completely different mindset from you. Yeah, it's true. Is that, that again, these conversations are so important, as you're saying, is that having these dialogues is the only way we're going to move forward. And even having these conversations that we're having here at After Buzz are really important because they're putting the word out of how people can just, within a community, you can have your form your opinions, have your beliefs, so just be aware uh, how you do that. Even though you might be born into something, maybe question it, maybe don't figure out where to move forward. And these are the tools that are so, so important. Um, one thing I do, if I am going to criticize one thing of the episode, is that I feel that I would have liked to have an example of someone who heard the news of Jeff um, being sexually abusing people and him going to jail think in be becoming a non-believer because it seemed like Lamont left and knew he was a non-believer for a while within the community was questioning things and then decided to leave and then you have this scandal that happens and then Jeff's uh, arrested and the believers are even more believers and I wonder is there a case of someone who just is like oh wow was this a lie and that was a big hole for me. Do you guys agree? Did you? Yeah, I kept thinking, I was like, are people, like, I want to know, are people ostracizing her from the community for, for speaking out against him and telling them that he raped her? Like, does she have any support within the community? Are they trying to justify the rape and say, oh, no, honey, he was just trying to build some sort of, like, common union between the two of you and, like, this beautiful, like, I want to know what was said, What? how was it justified? If it wasn't justified, how are they still a I part feel like of the it's church? just like what Taylor said in the sense that, you know, he or possibly he would never molest his own daughters. They're lying to bring him down. I think everybody in the community was mm. like, he would never do that. Does he marry people who are underage? Yes. But he would never do that. Why are you making that up? You hate your father. You're rebellious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. That's I think. why like and I also wish they would have like played the audio tapes that he like had said or like showed them journal entries like maybe you're right maybe that's exactly what would have happened they would have just dismissed it and be like oh this is fabricated this isn't real but it's like like showing them and confronting them with the actual evidence I think would have been interesting to see how they get around that right and how there's that click because again in past episodes we discussed people just having that click of wait I can no longer be part of this and if this you know, coming out is a factor or not so as you're saying I mean it's really hard how can you justify these actions within your faith mm -hmm. however for I mean we this distress we see these kinds of types of unfortunate scandals and crimes happening in a lot of religions and can I yeah, say and this? it's not oh sorry go ahead oh thank you I was just saying and it's not even just religion like this concept of you know someone blaming the victim of rape for what happened is just like this like the way our society works and the the system like the rape culture that we have right now so it's not even a religious thing it's kind of like you know how a lot of people think about these things and denial transcends religion there all of us have mm -hmm. some hidden corner of things that we don't want to face or admit fear and not yet fear dealing with it we have people in our lives that we don't want to call out on their mess we mm -hmm. tolerate certain things and it doesn't have to be in as extreme as pedophilia but human beings experience a lot of denial and dare i say I don't know, possibly even to function in this society. Maybe there's certain things you have to block off. It's it's inevitable. We'd all like to to like get beyond that and evolve, but it's denial is going to be something that's around as long as human beings exist. Yeah, that's very true. 
Um, but yeah, this episode was just so layered and opened up so many conversations and such a great dialogue. Is there anything you guys want to bring up before we uh, end our review of episode seven of Cults of an Extreme? Can Life? I throw out a question, all you ladies? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we all look at, uh, we're all on the same page as far as the pedophilia. Like that's got to stop. But let's because because they believe in polygamy, and I think is polygamy legal legal in Utah? Let's say California, where we're out here. Let's say if willing adults, willing women over 18 agree to have share a man with uh, with sister wives, um, do you guys think that should be legal? There's no um, abuse going on, but if two willing people, three willing people who are adults agree to you know to to get married, uh, it's say in California, do you think that could be should be legal? Is that a pop- what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean morally, I don't think there's anything wrong with it obviously i like for for me i would never want like to be married to someone where i'm like sharing my husband with two other people but when you think about the morality of it i don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with a wife having multiple husbands or a husband having oh, okay yeah see so she go both ways or a husband <laughs> having multiple wives um it is very unconventional but um, as long as they're all consenting, I don't see why not. It's just it's just so bizarre for yeah. me to like process. It exists, ladies. Yeah, and like polyamory, I believe, is a real <laughs> thing that, you know, some people are just polyamorous and, you know, want to be in multiple relationships at a time. Um, I saw this really interesting movie about the guy who wrote the Wonder Woman comics. And he was actually in a polyamorous relationship with two women, and they were all in kind of in a But were they married, together. though? Not... Uh, well, they couldn't. It was like uh, the 1960s, 40s. Yeah. I don't know. Are you talking about Stan Lee, who created the... No, no, oh, no. Okay. It's um, it's The movie's called Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, and it's very, very interesting. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, I could actually feel the love between all of them. So, I don't know. It's, like, really tricky. Yeah, it is really tricky. I think when it comes to people's personal romantic uh, lives. I don't think we should have a say in them if no abuse is happening. Yeah, However, I, I, I feel like this kind of system, um, especially because it's highly uh, geared towards men having multiple partners and not, not necessarily women, which is something that we do see, it becomes tricky to, to figure out if there any abuse there because it could be mental, it could be obviously maybe physical, but it's just hard to govern um if there's a way for everyone to be really happy yeah go for it have as many partners as you want in terms of a government we need to put certain laws and certain things into place because when it comes to taxes when it comes to just owning property and all of these legal legalities um if you you know your couple is supposed to be for for two people that's how the government is set up so if it's more than that how is that going to be affected and we want to make sure people aren't taking advantage of anything and having families and then or wanting to do a business and having it more of a financial gain of some sort. I just don't think our government has yet to figure out all these logistics. But if everyone's happy, just do it. Your and back. I agree that women should be able to have multiple wives as men. Um, but uh, here's the interesting thing. I'm sorry, and I'll, I'll shut up after this. But it, bling, it brings to, uh, to mind a certain conversation about, okay, let's say if I'm a, um, an eight, uh, 18 year old woman, say I'm 21 years old, living in the state of California. Because a lot of people sign up for dysfunctional relationships. Let's say, um, you know, I want to sleep with a man for money if I'm 21. Or let's say, I, if I'm 21, I choose to be with the pimp. And he's, he doesn't beat me, doesn't take care of me, but we have this equal relationship. Not saying it's healthy, but if you're over teen and a woman makes a dysfunctional choice because she comes from a dis, perhaps a dysfunctional, abusive background, 
Um, if that's if it's against the law, fine. But is that morally wrong for her to be able to make a choice that she signed up for? I don't know. It's just like there's so many yeah. layers and tricky things <laughs> to like that question. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just a. Um, yeah, so many layers and so many different directions we could take that. Um, but we are running out of time, and I want to make sure we get to everything we want to talk about. And But please keep the conversation going with us because, there, again, there's so much to talk about. Uh, they weren't able to cover everything uh, in this episode. We're sure we could keep this conversation going for so much more longer, mm-hmm. and we want to keep it going throughout the weeks to come, um, especially if you're listening on demand. Make sure to leave us uh, comments both on YouTube and iTunes. And actually, Al, can you tell a bit, us a little bit more about what's going on in terms of iTunes and YouTube's and how our lovely audience can help us. Okay, cool. Very, very, very good. No problem. I will start off with the at, with the uh, live read, and then I'll move on to the YouTube comments. All right. Hey, After Buzzers, our networks produces after shows for nearly all your favorite TV shows, from dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more. There's no network that works harder to dis- to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and you'll help our uh, AfterBuzz audience even grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, because the uh, notifications are optional. So hit that subscribe button now for this channel, and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on the air. We'll give you shout-outs like we got coming up. For, uh, For now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us to be the ESPN of TV Talk. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. And, yeah, we cover a lot of shows, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that when we do our outros. But shout out to the fans. You have some awesome fans. Yeah, tell us about uh, it. Listen to the comment from last week. It's going to blow your mind. Uh, for those of you... Oh, I just watched. I can't believe I just watched. I was just, just going to say, while, while you're looking for that, Al has the best radio voice ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> while he's, like, delivering that. Like, I was just like, I can actually listen to this forever, yeah. Oh, uh, here we nice. go. Do you guys remember Samantha Brousseau from last week? She was the former member of the cult who actually spoke on. She was the the, the focal point who came back, you know, and, and confronted the church. She left the YouTube comment. Oh my god! I'm gonna read you, it. Samantha. Yeah, and we Just, should have, we should we should probably I'll forward this comment to the proper person in the staff, and maybe we can have you on the show because this is what she said. Thank you so much for your comments on my story. You made me feel that everything I went through was worth it. I'd love to share more of my story with you and answer your questions about what it took to share my story. You both have an incredibly uh, ability to read between the lines. Oh, okay, that was, that was us. That, uh, that takes talent. I also love the observations you made about the conflicting responses between E.W. and his wife, J.S. Furthermore, addressing the gravity of speaking out and the repercussions being losing, uh, being losing the rare and little family connection I have had, something we said, saw in this one too, in the hope of helping others achieve freedom no matter the sacrifice. And she leaves a hashtag, liberation point, and then hashtag where your freedom begins. And I suppose if you go to these hashtags, then uh, you might be able to find some more information. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. For you guys who haven't seen uh, last week's episode, it was just so heavy uh, and yet so beautiful because she just had so much bravery. And so um, I really appreciate that you were able to leave us a comment. It means a lot. And we would love to have you on the show. Um, But before we wrap things up, we only have a minute left. Taylor, can you give us some really, really quick news, updates, and what's going on? Absolutely. So for a special segment, TV News. 
All right, our special segment really, really fast. Uh, there's no celebrities that were actually in this cult, but um, for the regular Church of Latter-day Saints, not the fundamental one that this is, um, Catherine Heigl, Mitt Romney, and David Archuleta were all in that at one point or are still in that. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. And so for news, we have actually a really recent piece of news that just happened on June 27th. So two Canadian men named Winston Blackmore and... Um, someone whose last name is Olaire, were found guilty of polygamy because they were in this cult. They had actually served as bishops in the FLDS in the isolated community of Bountiful in southeastern British Columbia. Blackmore had 24 wives and Oler had five. In between them, they had more than 160 children. Oh my God. So that's crazy. <laughs> Blackmore was ordered to serve six months in a conditional house arrest sentence and year-long probation, and was also sentenced to 150 hours of community service. And Oler was ordered to serve a three-month conditional sentence under house arrest, followed by year-long probation and 75 hours of community service. Which is actually a pretty lenient sentence, considering they had each faced up to five years in prison. So, wow. Yeah, wow. That was an interesting piece of news in Very interesting. Canada. Very interesting. Okay, well, I think that does about it for this episode, episode seven. Uh, great discussion. Even better panelist. Uh, Taylor, tell me what shows are you uh, doing outside of here, and where can the people find you? Sure. You guys can find me on Twitter at alphabet underscore and on Instagram at Taylor underscore Gates underscore. I also host the 100 After Show every Tuesday at 10, Younger every Wednesday at 9, and Law & Order SVU every, win- or every Thursday at 8. Wow, look at you, Mina. <laughs> Hey guys, you can follow my adventures on Instagram at Mina Makes Magic, and you can also catch me every Monday night uh, covering the after show for The Proposal, which comes right after The Bachelorette. Super fun show. You can also catch me uh, every Thursday at After Buzz covering Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. So definitely check that out. Much lighter. Hey everybody, it's Al G. Um, my Twitter you'll see below is uh, Jamaica House Doc. That's the film I worked on. And right now we're running a GoFundMe campaign. So please, if it's possible, go to the GoFundMe app, go to the website, and if you put in the search engine, Jamaica House European Tour. Just check it out. We need the support. We need donations or anything. Just check it out and leave a comment. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, you can keep the conversation going uh, with me on Instagram at Bonjour Juliet. Bonjour. We, we, bonjour. We will see you guys next week for another episode. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.